0: One of the hardest learnings I had was that there is good development and there is bad development and that felt like a really hard lesson to learn because I had to confront a lot of my own belief systems and my own ideas around what helping could and should look like and so I think where a lot of us are on that journey where we don't do it all right but to have a learning posture as people as organizations, as groups of people across Canada wanting to do good work and help end this huge problem of poverty. Um, And that's one of the reasons I'm so excited about this podcast.
1: Welcome to the Ending Poverty Together podcast. I'm Eric.
2: And I'm Shalane. We're
1: here to discuss big questions about poverty in bite-sized ways.
2: And here we are, the very first episode of the Ending Poverty Together podcast, which is designed to help us all deepen our understanding of poverty, both in our own lives and with the most vulnerable.
1: It's a big day, Shalane. Welcome here. Mm -hmm. It's so great to be with you. I'm so excited as I look ahead to this stellar lineup we have of Canadian Christians who are experts in poverty alleviation. They're all doing phenomenal work in our own backyard in neighborhoods across Canada and around the world. I couldn't be more excited.
2: I agree. It's truly a privilege to be here engaging in these important conversations about really complex issues that they just often feel very overwhelming. I know I have a lot to learn.
1: Yes, me too. And we are going to tackle challenging subject matter with people who have years of experience and can shed light on topics that we have questions about, but maybe haven't known who or where to ask them.
2: So, let's get started. I am thrilled to introduce our first guest, Carissa Youssef, Vice President of Philanthropy and Public Engagement with Food for the Hungry Canada. Carissa has worked with FH Canada since 2008 Her service, passion, personal story, and ability to engage people in mutually transformative work has led many people to look to her for advice and actionable steps on healthy poverty alleviation. Carissa is driven by a desire to see the world's most vulnerable people thrive, and she pours her heart into walking alongside families as they strive to build sustainable futures. It's a huge pleasure to start this series by having a conversation with one of Food for the Hungry Canada's own. Welcome, Carissa.
0: Oh, thank you. I'm so glad to be with you both this morning. Mm.
2: It's great to have you. Welcome, welcome. One of the things we'd like to begin with, Carissa, is the definition of poverty. At Food for the Hungry, we often say how we define a problem will determine how we solve the problem. So maybe that's a great place to start today. Could you please talk to us about your understanding of poverty and how that connects with your own personal story? Oh,
0: it's a great question and a great place to start, really. I feel like that core idea, the definition of poverty is one that has totally changed my life. I think like so many other people, if you would have asked me 15 years ago, how to define poverty, I would have answered along the lines of a lack of Something mm. the you know very material definition of poverty, right? Not having enough money, not having enough options, maybe to um, have a thriving future. When I joined Food for the Hungry, I went through a, a kind of a week introductory orientation program, and I. Truly became undone. I grew up as a believer, uh, following uh, my best in the way of Jesus, and learned so much new that first week at Food for the Hungry. And I think the most critical piece was the way that they defined poverty as an organization. So, jumping to that, they define poverty, we define poverty as broken relationships. That the Mm -hmm. root of all forms of poverty is broken relationships. So, there was two things about that that were different for me. One is this idea of the root issue of poverty. That was different, right? Because I think of poverty as the what you can see, the problem in front of you. And so that was a bit of a framework shift for me to go, oh, there's a commonality if we go down to the root issue. And that felt really important because that's where the solution mm-hmm. needs mm. to be focused. There's the sort of critical alleviation of poverty in a lot of situations, something like hunger. Absolutely. You, you can fix that problem with food. But the problem itself doesn't go away if you just focus your energy there. Instead, looking at what is the source of that hunger? Is it food security? Is it access to market? Is it uh, financial? Is it an economic disparity? So anyways, that was, and you know, a lot of this learning could just be naivety on my part. I'm not saying other people don't understand this, but it radically changed my understanding and viewpoint of poverty.
2: You know, Krissa, if I can just jump in there, I think perhaps you're not alone in that. (laughs) I remember the first day I started with FH and you said to me, Just be aware, this job will wreck you in all the best ways. And I have to say, you Mm. were absolutely right. The Mm. idea Mm. of my definition of poverty being blown (laughs) up and reconfigured Mm. has definitely been part Mm. of my experience. And Eric, I'm not sure if you can agree with that.
1: Yeah, absolutely. I... I remember being drawn to Food for the Hungry in the first place, actually after a conversation with Carissa.
2: We you influencer, had, Carissa. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> <laughs>
1: <laughs> we, we had some mutual connections and I think we sat down for coffee back when we could do that. Yeah. Um, mm-hmm. and, and we had a great conversation yes. kind of about the organization and and what really drew me was I I was just fresh off of you know mm. a a trip of my own where I had gone with you know a group of friends on mm. a service trip a missions trip and I had just been really really struggling with what I had seen you know the trip had been to Haiti and you know I'll I'll just say it clearly you know I understand that the the work that was being done there was done with the best of intentions, absolutely. Mm-hmm. But the way that it mm-hmm. actually ended up impacting real people, I just couldn't stomach mm-hmm. it. I couldn't figure out how do we actually justify walking around mm. through a village just handing out garbage bags of clothes that no one wanted in North America. And for some reason, we just believe mm-hmm. that someone's just going to be happy to receive yeah. these handouts without any conversation, without any relationship. And and really that is is why that conversation with you, Carissa, you yeah. know, way back when, was so powerful. And what really kind of, I mean, for lack of a better term, <laughs> sold me on the vision of, of Food for the Hungry was, <laughs> oh my <laughs> goodness, my hunch was right. there. are is a yeah. better way to do this there yeah. is a healthier there's a more dignifying there's a more humanizing way so absolutely it's it's the secret yeah. sauce it's the good stuff and i'm, I'm just so glad that you started yeah. there
0: <laughs> that's awesome i actually think that's also a familiar experience hmm. for a lot of canadians i believe i've had a front row seat to the generosity of, of canadians over the past several decades and Mm. genuinely, we want to help. We want to care for our neighbor locally and globally. And going overseas has been part of that experience for a lot of us. And I think we do feel a little overwhelmed and a little bit stuck. So we just try to do the next thing. And you know, things like clothes distribution, they have their place in development. But I think one of the hardest learnings I had was that there is good development mm. and there is bad development. And that mm. felt like a really hard lesson to learn because I had to confront a lot of my own belief systems and my own ideas around what helping could and should look like. And so, I, yeah, I think a lot of us are on that journey where we don't do it all right, but to have a learning posture as people, as organizations, as groups of people across Canada wanting to do good work and help end this huge problem of poverty. And that's one of the reasons I'm so excited about this podcast yeah. about what you're doing mm. is elevating the stories of Canadians who are have a learning posture, who are trying to help in really healthy ways. And I, I'm so proud that we're lifting up those stories because, yeah, it's important to encourage each other in this. It can be overwhelming. It can be very easy to say, I don't know how to do this right, and I'm not going to do it at all. And that isn't at all what we want to see, right?
2: Right. And I think you've tapped into one of the core purposes we have with this podcast, and that is learning. It's Mm. about education, and it's the acknowledgement that we all have so much to learn. One of the things I so appreciate about FH is the value we place on education, and as you can imagine, I am a little biased (laughs) in that I am the national education lead, so it is definitely near and dear to my heart. Carissa, can you speak a little bit to Food for the Hungry's rationale for education, Why do we care so much about it?
0: Well, I think it goes back a little bit to how we started our conversation. I think learning about good development and learning about some of these core ideas of what is poverty have changed us. I think education has changed me and it has radically impacted my ability, both personally and professionally, to practically help other people. And I think that's the core of it at Food for the Hungry is we desire to help Canadians learn how to do this work really well. And we believe that education is a powerful tool for change and investing back into Canadians in this way will change the world. One neighborhood at a time, one community at a time, and that we will be able to do this Mm -hmm. together. Together is always better. So, if we can share a few things that we've learned, if we can elevate some leaders across Canada who are willing to share what they've learned, we Mm. all benefit. So, I believe it's critical to our mission of ending poverty that we uh, invest into education
1: absolutely and there's so much synergy there between even like how we introduce this podcast that we're engaging with this topic that is for a lot of people intimidating i know it can be for myself it's intimidating it's complex there's so many layers to it and that's really you know reflective of why we want to break this thing down into bite-sized chunks and that is such an important part of of learning is to be able to digest actually what we're talking about and to to kind of tap into that. So kind of to your point Carissa, you know, as you as you have been on a learning journey yourself and as you are walking alongside others in in their learning journey, I'm just wondering like, you know, what are some of the ways that you've seen your own perspective shift even since you started at FH, you know, there's that important piece of kind of you were faced with, oh, my goodness, there's a different way to do this. Um, I, I mean, that's that's my language from my experience, but it sounds like you had a similar experience at the beginning. But even now in your having been with FH, I don't presume that your perspective has remained exactly the same as well. I would love to hear your, your thoughts on that.
0: Oh, yeah. No, always learning, always growing, always evolving, I I say for sure. Um, Okay, so what comes to mind right away for me in my journey of kind of wrestling through some of these big ideas and how my perspective has changed goes back again to that learning around this idea that poverty is broken relationships because I think the most profound personal impact it's had on me has been that that definition – means we all experience poverty. Um, it isn't an us and them conversation anymore. It's not us who have looking out at those who have not and trying to f- fix the problem. It, it totally changes the conversation. So the way that Food for the Hungry sort of draws out that definition is to explain those the broken relationships through four key relationships, which is not an FH original idea, but one that we have used and anchored our framework of development around. And those relationships are with God, Mm. self, others, and creation. And recognizing that all forms of poverty at the root issue stem from a broken relationship in one or all of those categories, right? And so as I processed that personally, I think it was a profound posture shift for me when I started looking at my own life and saying, I have poverty. Mm-hmm. I have broken relationship. My relationship with God is a constant journey, um, which I believe my my faith perspective is that that will come into full reconciliation at his timing, but it's a journey that I'm on. My relationship with creation there's so much I could do better at my role of stewardship, and I'm learning constantly. What does that look like? What's my role? And with others and self, my goodness, I mean that's that's where this podcast will just be so rich for people because you get to explore what does poverty mm-hmm. alleviation look like in in all of those different facets of life, and I. I think we need to see ourselves in the story first before mm-hmm. we are in a position to really make impact. It does, it changes our posture. It's now an us conversation. We are in this together.
2: Mm-hmm. I love that, Carissa. And one of the things that has been profoundly meaningful to me is to start from that posture of we are all impoverished, we are yes. all broken. We all experience broken relationships mm-hmm. and are all in need of reconciliation yes. and healing, but we're not all equally oh, vulnerable. so true.
0: Yep. And that's the professional piece that kicks in, right? You're, ooh, we're passionate about that.
2: Yes, exactly. And what this organization has done for me is it's given language to my experience For almost 20 years prior to joining FH, I worked in the career transition sector as a facilitator Mm. and coach and actually put together my website just before coming to Food for the Hungry and called it Togethering. Mm. I I don't even really know if that's a word, but for me, it really captured the idea, and I, I actually say it in my statement about who I am and what I do, is that I believe in the power of walking alongside one another as we live and learn. The alignment with how God prepared me and the work of FH still amazes me, actually. And at Food for the Mm, Hungry, we walk with. So, Carissa, would you speak to Food for the Hungry's perspective on walking with
0: Oh, it's so good. That's so, it's so key. And absolutely, let me just sort of affirm and highlight again your statement around levels of vulnerability. I think some of us at early ages had the opportunity to travel and be exposed to international settings where communities and families were struggling with levels of vulnerability that are profoundly greater than what mm. we're experiencing in North America and I I know that that's a privilege that we carry that we are now obligated to respond to and that has been just so dear to my heart since I was a teenager is is caring for the vulnerable and recognizing that that perspective now also changes my understanding of my vulnerability because it's different there I feel like it, you invest locally absolutely into your neighbors and, and into caring for those experiencing poverty. But we have to commit to also walking alongside global communities because Mm -hmm. their levels of insecurity and vulnerability are just tremendous. So anyways, that's Mm -hmm. my, that's my little professional pitch there is we must do both. We must love our neighbor here and there. But the idea of walking alongside is so lovely because it's just so encouraging. Isn't that something we've all experienced at some point or long to experience? Uh, but one of the things that drew me to the work of Food for the Hungry was that very idea that as international and as an international organization, there was a couple of things I was looking for. One is our leaders in the countries that we're working in around the world are our national. They are from mm-hmm. the places where we are working. And I believe that is so important because they are walking alongside their own neighbors. It's, it's, uh, it elevates the role of local leadership. Um, and I think that's really empowering. And truthfully, it's far more appropriate because they are experts in their own countries. But then the idea that we don't come into a community with the posture of what do you need? but the idea that we might ask, what do you have? And be able to let the community really drive the process of where, where they want to go and what their future looks like. So there's these words that come to mind as we describe that initial process of, of beginning work in a, in a community overseas, listening, right? Mm-hmm. When you're walking alongside someone, you're next to them. You're not you're not pulling them forward. You're not pushing them ahead. You're you're with them. And I know I love good conversations when I'm walking with friends and family and listening is so important and letting them guide and direct their own areas of priority, I think are really important. There may be a need, depending on if an organization is new to a region or to a community, if they're coming in after a relief endeavor where there is immediate need for an organization to jump in. But in the development context, when you're taking a community beyond where they've been and helping equip them to be self-sustaining and to thrive, the walking alongside part is critical yeah. for it to be sustainable.
1: I mean, that mm-hmm. phrase walking mm-hmm. with, walking alongside, it just cannot be overstated in my opinion. And I'm, I'm so glad that we're giving you know, time of day to that, because that, that just really is at the core of Food for the Hungry's work. And I can speak to that having been out in the field. As you were speaking there, I just immediately was transported back in my head to Guatemala. The opportunity, mm. the absolute yes. privilege to be able to go and, and to meet uh, mm. community members a few years back and and to travel with a team of Canadian business owners who were just mm-hmm. fired up and passionate about the partnership and walking alongside. And, and I would love to hear from your perspective, Carissa, because mm. the partnership piece is, okay, that's a, that's a great word. That's a lovely idea, partnership. Mm-hmm. Okay, but what does that actually look like? Because I'm thinking of the, of the, the person listening to this who goes, okay, so I want to be involved in something that's different, that's you know doing this in a really great way, but what will mm. my role actually look like And how do I walk alongside in a meaningful way that Mm -hmm. doesn't drag or try to pull towards my goals or something like, how does that actually end up looking from a partnership perspective?
2: That's
0: such a good question. And, you know, I think we've touched on a couple of ideas that really come to life in a Food for the Hungry partnership. And the first one is really just education. It's that learning posture. When we invite Canadian churches or business leaders or families to engage in partnership with a community, we invite them into a learning journey and into relationship where we encourage them to make a decision to walk alongside for an extended period of time because change takes time. This is a commitment. This is a long-term relationship. Our goal at Food for the Hungry is is to see communities uh, reach a stage of self-sustainability in about 10 years. That's a long, that's a big commitment for Canadians.
2: Um, It is.
0: (laughs) But then we encourage them to, when we can, of course, right now with COVID, we're not able to travel, but we encourage them to travel, but not for the purpose of accomplishing a whole lot compared to what they're used to, especially in the business sector. We are used to goals and, and metrics and you know, make, getting things done. And instead, learning to sit and get to know people and listen to community leaders and ask them about their vision of the future, ask them what they've been learning. I think the most profound moments when I have the privilege of, of taking business leaders overseas is watching these business leaders learn from farmers, learn from educators, learn from health specialists. And I feel like their, their hearts and minds get full because somebody is, is investing back into them. And it may surprise you that we can learn from farmers. If you're not in the farming industry, that might feel a little bit irrelevant. But oh, my goodness. It, is, it can be life-changing um, when you enter into those kinds of relationships and those kinds of endeavors. And then coming home... And taking what we've seen as sort of these incredibly rich elements of relationship, the assets these communities have, which are social capital, innovation, mm-hmm. creativity, resilience, and bringing that back here to Canada to our teams, right, to our workplace environments, to our congregations, um, our, our you know spheres of, of faith or, or neighborliness, to be able to bring that back is such a rich gift and opportunity so it's a very different experience than going and handing things out or building things or doing things but I my hope my our posture our, our desire is that this would aid in a mutually transforming experience so while we're redistributing our f- financial assets here in Canada mm-hmm. and giving out of our enough giving out of our abundance to those who need that financial stimulus in order to move forward they, in return, are gifting us with so much. And that, I think, is the, is the most beautiful outcome of this kind of a partnership.
2: One of the things I particularly love about what you're sharing, Carissa, as I think about the educational opportunities we offer, is that so much of what we bring to the Canadian sphere is actually learning that we have gleaned from our international brothers and sisters. Yes. So when I'm talking with Canadians, I'm thinking back to my experiences in Cambodia and what I learned there. This whole model, the entire philosophy has impacted my entire life. The way I interact with my family, with friends, with my neighbors, Hmm. it's a perspective shift. That I feel so privileged to be able to talk with our guests about here on the podcast, because I'm just so excited about all that we're going to learn Mm. together. I'm also aware that we've tossed around lots of different terms today. And if you're listening and thinking, what does she mean when she says relief? How is that different from development? Absolutely. Uh, we would just invite you to carry on the conversation with us by emailing us at podcast at fhcanada.org. We would love to get to know you and answer some of your questions and just carry on this conversation. Carissa, as you think about going forward, mm-hmm. what are some of the things happening at Food for the Hungry that you're really excited about?
0: Oh, that's a great question too. I think what I'm most excited about right now is the posture I see across Canada of people who are very aware of the hurting around them and around the world and a desire to do something about it. And I I hope that this podcast and that other resources that Food for the Hungry offer are a way to encourage Canadians to take that next step forward, whatever that might look like. You know, we're coming out of a very traditional giving season that felt very different for a lot of us. Not being able to have our sort of traditional Christmas gatherings or that sort of thing. And and I think as we go into the new year to be able to reflect on what does it look like to live generously all year and to care for those around us. I think we're just living in a moment where, you know, COVID has forced us to look at our homes and our neighborhoods and who, who those relationships are in our life and also to reflect on what we have, or where we're vulnerable, um, and that allow that perspective to really enhance how we view the world. So I'm excited about the opportunities that we have to resource Canadians um, mm. and to invite them to partner, particularly uh, with an international community that is struggling in a in a profound way, and yet the potential that those communities have to thrive with. Mm a little bit of support. And so I'm hoping to, that we can just be a source of encouragement and practical tools so that we can end poverty together.
1: Absolutely. No, I I so appreciate you you saying that Carissa. and I'm, you know, I'm reminded in that moment of just the wealth of of resources that our our guests, I mean yourself included in that, you're sharing such <laughs> important pieces already and just what a what a great opportunity this is to be able to interview canadian experts in poverty alleviation there Mm. is so much here that a lot of the time we are unaware of there are these voices who will speak to Mm -hmm. you know we're going to have conversations about creation care doing that in Mm -hmm. a way that is i mean i don't know about you but sometimes i don't see the connection between creation care and poverty and I'm just so, so thrilled for the the opportunities that we have to have these conversations and to be able to, like you said, resource Canadians. Speaking of experts and speaking of resources, Carissa, being our first guest, I am very excited to ask you a question that I'm just itching to ask all of our guests, which is, what are some books, some resources that you have found helpful or transformative in your own journey in the, in this work?
0: Oh, that's such a good question. I love reading. If my biggest problem is, is choosing because I feel like um, oh, I'm constantly learning and there's been so many that have impacted me. But the first one that comes to mind that if you haven't read it, you must read it. It's called When Helping Hurts. It's just a foundational learning resource for anyone who wants to love their neighbor well. And I know we, I think we have the opportunity actually to speak to one of the authors of that book later uh, in this podcast. I'm so excited about that. Uh, That book has changed my life and it's, it's a must read. Absolutely. So that's one that I reread regularly um, just to stay fresh on it. It's been one that's really important to me. The other one is, and this is maybe unique to my own professional learning journey, is uh, why business matters to God and what's still broken. The I feel like God just really laid on my heart a few years ago that the exciting opportunity that Christian business leaders have to use their whole ecosystem to influence kingdom work, this kind of work, this, you know, from a faith perspective, to be able to really draw people into a flourishing life, as God intended. And so that book helped me put in context uh, a little bit about how we can make that happen. And also just the really important work of not separating out for us personally, the value of what we might call ministry versus marketplace work. I think it's all good work, because I believe we were created to work and anyways that's a whole other podcast potentially but Mm -hmm. uh, both of those books have really shaped how I spend my energy how I spend myself personally and professionally so start there if you haven't read those books pick them up
2: We are going to create a resource list for our website that will include the reading recommendations from our guests because, you know, like you said, Eric, there's going to be a rich and valuable list generated from experts who are already doing healthy, holistic work in poverty alleviation. We have heard about your work with Food for the Hungry. I am wondering if you would be willing to share some of your personal journey Mm. I'm asking this question with insider information because Eric and I know you have had some profound experiences that we really believe God has used to shape you and prepare you for the work that you do now.
0: Oh, yeah, I would. Thanks for the invitation, Shalane. I feel that God has been so kind to me in my life. And yes, poverty is a little bit personal for me as well. I think that sometimes we forget that. Sometimes experiencing poverty creates a real feeling of vulnerability for families here in Canada, too. And I actually grew up in the U.S. And when I was 14, my family experienced vulnerability because my dad was diagnosed with a really rare form of leukemia only a few months after being laid off. And so the profound financial implication of that meant that we didn't have health insurance and that diagnosis should have bankrupted our family. It should have really devastated our family. And while it was probably one of the most difficult seasons of life for me and for my family um, walking that, and I know a lot of Canadians can relate to the hard of a a cancer journey. What I felt so impacted from was what it felt like to have a community walk alongside you. Um, Mm. We had moved... Seattle just tiny little bit of background just for for context my family had moved to Seattle about 18 months before my dad was diagnosed from Minnesota so long way across uh, the the states there and we didn't have any family in the area and we had you know had about a year and a half to settle into a church community and uh, you still feel new I think after 18 months like you're, you're you're settling in but you feel new so to have this kind of kind of diagnosis come and have this experience of financial vulnerability where, you know, there isn't employment. My mom uh, was a stay at home mom, and a a caregiver and, and a homemaker. And it was a very, could have been a very scary experience. Now at 14, I can honestly say that I didn't have, I didn't carry a lot of that stress because my parents modeled such incredible faith throughout that whole process. But we had a church community that was new to us who stepped in and stepped up and really helped care for us and while that was is such a beautiful part of my testimony it also taught me a lot because at that age some of their attempts to help and to walk alongside didn't feel as good as i think they were intended to feel and so even though i look back with such gratitude at that at their generous posture of walking alongside of us, I've taken some of the lessons forward into how I want to do it a little differently as well. So I'll give you an example. Christmas time is a time where, um, of course, we, we long to step up and be extra generous to those in need. And Our family fit that criteria. We didn't have an income. We were dependent on others. You know, had food dropped off for us that we wouldn't otherwise have had and bills paid for by sometimes complete strangers. But there was a moment where I was, walking across the foyer of our of our church, and they had a giving tree up. And on that tree were names of individuals who maybe didn't have much for Christmas. And so it was a name, and then it was some ideas for what they might like for Christmas on there. And I saw my name on the tree. And
2: mm.
0: it was the first memory I have of feeling shame.
2: Mm. And
0: I recognize, especially as an adult looking back, the intention of people wanting to bless our family with gifts. And yet I don't know that Canadians who haven't experienced this kind of vulnerability can understand the potential for shame and the potential for grief that comes from Mm. being, having a spotlight on you. Mm -hmm. I feel like it comes down to something as simple as not wanting to be defined as your hardest experience. I think Mm -hmm. one of the most dangerous things we can do is use our words wrong. So instead of saying you're poor, to instead reframe it and talk about people experiencing poverty or saying Mm -hmm. you're vulnerable or you're experiencing Mm -hmm. vulnerability because I never felt poor. We might have been, you know, getting food from the food bank, and we might have been receiving gifts from strangers and having our bills paid for by our church, but I never felt poor until that moment. And so it's something that I'm really passionate about and, again, ties into education where, as churches, we need to really carefully look at our benevolent systems, our benevolent, Mm. you know, our care programs. How are we caring for people? And at Christmas, is there a way for us to allow parents to be in a position to give their children gifts rather than receiving them from strangers. I really believe, and this again comes back to some of our core values at Food for the Hungry. Mm -hmm. Food for the Hungry just gave me so much language for my own experience. And that's Mm -hmm. been such a healing journey for me. But when we help people out of relationship, it feels really good to receive. But when we receive without relationship, it can feel really shameful. Um, And so if there's agencies in a good position to build those relationships, then let the agencies deliver the work because they have that relationship. And if you have a relationship with your neighbor and they're going through something really painful, then you are in a position to make a difference. But that was a really challenging few years for our family Hmm. where um, I think uh, we recognized the intentions, but there was also hurt. And how it was it was done in some in some occasions so I took that personal experience forward with a deep desire to walk alongside the vulnerable in a way that helped them flourish while recognizing I can't possibly do it all right um, and that we will hurt each other sometimes in the process and so I'm not saying I have figured it all out or that food for the hungry has figured it all out but that's the posture we carry forward is saying how can we help well, and how can we affirm the dignity and the God given value in every human being that we encounter? How can we help people flourish? What does that look like? And that comes from constantly being in uh, a learning posture, and that's one of the reasons that this conversation is so important. And I think if if a church is looking at how they can care for their community members better, we'd love to walk with them in that conversation and that and that auditing process. Um, we don't have all the answers, but we'd love to help maybe help people ask different questions and if there's a business who says I want to give back but I want to make sure I do it with really respectful ways then we'd love to have that conversation and just join in so that we can make uh, strides forward so that we're helping the vulnerable in a way that lifts everybody up
2: yeah
1: thank you so much for sharing your your story Carissa it's I've had the the privilege of hearing it a couple of times now and and it, I I'm just so appreciative because I I think it captures a a layer to this conversation that can easily be overlooked, which Mm -hmm. is that emotional level to this conversation. Mm -hmm. And what does it actually feel like to experience vulnerability? What does it actually feel like to be on the receiving Mm -hmm. end of, you know, well-intentioned but poorly executed care? So I'm so appreciative for you sharing that. Thanks, Eric. And, and, Everything that you've shared today obviously has been so helpful already in keeping with, you know, where we started today with wanting to really break things down into bite-sized pieces for people. Any kind of closing words? I know there's there's lots of resources that people can check out. I highly recommend FH mm-hmm. Powers of Phenomenal resource called Ending EndingPovertyTogether.org. There's lots of resources there for people mm-hmm. to check out. But what would you say... Just kind of as we close today, you know, what is kind of like a takeaway or a, a single step forward that that our listeners can take as a result of this conversation?
0: And you know what, Eric, I think you actually just said it in your question. I think the, the best thing that I would encourage Canadians to do is to take a next step forward. Mm. So if they've heard something today, if you've heard something that maybe triggered more questions or something that maybe even feels uncomfortable. Maybe you're like, I don't know if I agree with that. That's okay. I think leaning into the conversation, leaning into the questions, I would just encourage you to take the next step with more research. I also am really uh, sensitive. This is something that I think e- all of us struggle with, whether we're professionally in the helping industry or not, is it can be really overwhelming. And if you feel like you're going to do the, the wrong next, thing, yeah. that can hold people back. That is not my heart. in sharing even some of the hard of my own experience in receiving help that was well-intended is to do the next right thing and to take that next step at loving your neighbor. And honestly, loving your neighbor right now might just mean getting to know them. Mm. It might just mean getting to know them because if you build that relationship, then you are in a position to help in a much stronger, healthier way. And if you don't have any kind of international partnership, maybe your family or your business or your church is still looking for that, oh, we'd love to talk to you about that. We'd love to be a part of connecting you to that global experience of of helping to uh, see an entire community overcome poverty um, in all its many forms. So... I guess that's the only real advice I have is just do the next right thing and keep this conversation going.
2: There are so many takeaways from this time today. I am reminded afresh of the importance of relationship. It's the context of relationship. When we're walking with someone, when they experience vulnerability, that we are already in a position, we already have a posture where we can show love and care and just to be reminded how that maintains the dignity of that individual. We so appreciate your vulnerability today, Carissa. Yeah, thank you. We are grateful for all that you've shared. Thank you so much for being here.
0: Thanks, Shalane. Thanks, Eric. And thanks for what you're doing to help bring this conversation to a greater space.
1: To explore what your next steps could be or to find out more about Food for the Hungry and what other Canadians are doing about poverty, start by checking out fhcanada.org resources.